We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. So, you know I'm not good at telling stories, but I'm going to try. So there was this lady at an airport. She's waiting for her plane. And she, earlier she went to the snack shop and she bought some cookies and a magazine and some things. And she just, she came and she sat down and while she's reading her magazine, she notices out of the corner of her eye, there's a guy sitting next to her. She notices he's doing something and she kind of, you've ever done that, you're kind of like, without being noticed, but it's very obvious that you're doing it. Kind of notices that he's eating a cookie. She had just bought cookies and he's eating a cookie and she looks down and she sees her package of cookies between the two of them and he's eating them. And so casually, she reaches down, and she grabs one, starts eating it. And the guy took another one, and he started eating another of her cookies. She was furious. And so she reaches down and grabs all but one of them and starts eating all the cookies. Then she notices that the guy reaches down and grabs the last cookie and breaks it in half, leaves the half there, and eats it. And in a huff, she grabs her stuff, she grabs her purse, she grabs the empty cookie pack with just a half a cookie, and she storms off. As she's walking away, she takes all that, she shoves it in her purse, and you know what she found? Her cookies. (laughs) Some of you will have to explain that to somebody else, but she thought that this guy was eating her cookies, and she was eating his cookies. And she was so judgmental of that person, like, how could this guy ever do that? And she was the one that was really doing it. Today, we are going to talk about some things that Jesus says that are pretty pretty harsh. And they're things that we need to have a deeper understanding of because in our culture, and you have heard this said, and you maybe have said this to somebody else, you know what Jesus says, right? Do not judge, so you can't judge me. Hopefully today you'll get a deeper understanding of what Jesus is meaning in this passage because what you're going to find is that we need to be people who are discerning, people who we are allowed to judge. But I want you to hear this today, and this is important. If you have your notes, I encourage you to to write these things down. But we've been talking about kingdom people through the Sermon on the Mount. And kingdom people are people who have trusted in Christ, who have put their faith in Christ, who are born again. They're born into the kingdom by faith. The kingdom people don't walk, and this is important, hypocritical judgment that focuses on the faults of others while excusing their own sin. This is what Jesus is speaking against. That if I can walk around and say, well, you're wrong, and, and you're wrong, and, and you're wrong, and I'm just, I'm kind of all right. That's a problem. Because what Jesus was speaking against was that the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing just that, and they were doing it of him. Can you believe that that guy healed on the Sabbath? Who does he think he is? Can you believe that he, who in the world? Not recognizing how deeply entrenched they were in their own sin. And Jesus is going to help us to see that we need to discern the difference between acts of judgment and that attitude of judgmentalism. And we'll begin to understand the difference in that because as kingdom people, we are allowed to call sin, sin. We are allowed to make judgments specifically of other kingdom people. And it doesn't mean that we walk around church and say, oh, you're a sinner and you're a sinner. Because what happens is, is I need to look in the mirror and say, and you're a sinner too. But that we look at each other's lives and if we care about each other, and we should, and we see a brother or sister who is stuck in sin, what should we do? 
I'll tell you what we do do is we see that and then we go gossip to our friends, don't we? Can you believe that so-and-so is struggling? Yeah, yeah, let's go help him. No, 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 no. It's just easier to talk about him. It's just easier to gossip about him. Which, by the way, gossip is sin. Did you know that? Okay. Some of you are in trouble today. We are allowed, after judging ourselves with a heart of humility, with a heart of love, to help our brothers and sisters out. In fact, we better do that. And not walk in with this judgmental attitude. Jesus is speaking against this, this self-righteous, judgmental attitude that we have. The thing is that we need to understand, too, is that kingdom people should be known for their sincere love, not their self-righteous judgment. We can be guilty of this in the world. Is that people, on the, say, that are outside of the church, look inside of the church and see people looking at them, making judgments on them. And what Paul says very clearly, we looked at this a few weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if we want to start judging anybody, let's start with ourselves, let's start with the church. And Paul makes it very clear that if you want to judge anybody, do judge yourself. Let God judge those that are outside of the church. And if we really want us to be healthy and unified and walking in peace, then we need to judge ourselves and judge each other with love and grace and mercy. Because how many of you have it all figured out? Anybody? Because if so, I'm just going to switch spaces. You can come up here and start talking because we don't have it figured out and we're going to struggle and we need to make allowances for each other. We need to be gracious toward each other. But wait, wait, you don't understand. They did, yeah, I get it. And there's been times in your life where you've done the same thing to somebody else. We would be gracious with each other. We'd be merciful toward each other because we need it. That our lives should look different as kingdom people, shouldn't they? That we are part of an upside-down kingdom. That we are part of, of, a, of, a, of a kingdom that is that we are aliens and strangers. That we are ambassadors in this world. Not by anything that we have done, but all what Christ has done in us and through us. That we should look different. We should respond different. We should treat each other different. We should treat people outside of the church differently than maybe some of you have seen people do. That we would reflect Christ and we would not be a reflection of the world. We've said this many times, but I think the, the struggle is, is we've misunderstood what it means to follow Jesus. That for many, maybe some of you have grown up in church, you have seen Jesus as an add-on to your life. Hey, just be a good person. Let's back it up for, just pray this prayer that, that you would surrender your life to Jesus that he would, so that you don't go to hell. Let's pray this prayer and just kind of just be a good person, as good as you can be, the best that you can be. And you know what Paul says is that none of us are righteous, not one. None of us understands. None of us seeks God. That it's not about you trying harder, it's about you surrendering more. And in this moment that I, that I lay down my life, that I surrender my life, that I trust Jesus as Savior, but I follow him as Lord. And if you say that I'm a kingdom person and I've trusted Jesus as Savior, but you're not following him, totally surrendered, imperfectly, totally surrendered to, to trusting him and following him and doing what he says, you're missing it. Jesus is going to say some hard things today, and he's going to say some harsh things today. Some things that you say, I've never, I never, didn't see that before, or I thought we shouldn't do that. And hopefully you'll receive them, you'll allow God to, to really, if nothing else, cause you to say, oh, let me think about that. Because 
and who I am and, and my heart, that if you're a kingdom person, I want you to grow in Christ-likeness. I want you to, to be more like Jesus. I want you to reflect the image of Christ by God's power in you. You will never hear me say, I don't think, hey, just, you know, tomorrow try harder to be a Christ follower. You will always hear me use the word surrender for good reason. Because I don't believe that I save myself. I don't believe that I can live in surrender in and of my own power. Because you know what? I will fail. That I would surrender my life to Christ at the cross and I would surrender my life every day for him to transform my life to make me more like Jesus. Let me pray for us and we'll get into Matthew chapter 7. And so, Father, we do pray that you would speak into our, our hearts and our lives. Lord, as we often come back to, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, it is my desire, my heart, for myself, for us, that these words would not fall on deaf ears, but they also would not fall on deaf hands. That we would receive the word. God, that you would change us, you would transform us, and it would make a difference in the way that we treat people, the way that we talk, the way that we think, because you're at work. So open up our minds to your word today. Pray that you speak clearly through it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, we are starting the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you've been with us all summer. We've been, this is week 14 of the Sermon on the Mount. And I know it feels like week 2, but uh, it's not. But let's hear what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, one, or chapter 7, verse 1. He says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. See? Right there. It says it. Right? Chill. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Listen to what he's saying. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, take the beam out, uh, wood out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give, to what is, go give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Jesus is saying that a judgmental attitude is wrong. It's not the way of a kingdom person. And I'll give you at least three things that Jesus is saying here of why we ought not to better not be as kingdom people. We better not have a judgmental attitude toward each other, toward others. And the first thing is, and this is in your notes, that having a judgmental attitude toward others is foolish. It's a foolish thing to do. Verse 1, do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure that you use. That Jesus' words toward the hypocrite were pointed and they were forceful. He says, do not judge, and this is a command and an imperative that is saying, stop judging now, because you're doing it. It is happening. Stop it. And stop judging hypocritically in the future. Don't do it. Jesus is not just passively saying, hey, by the way, you know, just don't judge, you know. Stop judging each other. Stop it. Stop. Like, you're talking, like, and I think that at times, like, I feel like that, that God looks at us and we, are, we talk about us being his children, but I think sometimes we act like children and he has to speak to us like children because that's what we understand and that's what we receive because you've done this with your kids, right? 
At first, it's like, hey, stop, stop running around. Hey, stop, stop. And eventually, what do you do? Stop. <laughs> I mean, that, no, that's not nice, not politically, but you've done it, and I've done it. Stop it, stop it, stop. And Jesus is saying to those, because he's looking at the religious leaders who are judging him and who are attacking him, say, stop doing this. We cannot be like that. The kingdom people don't do this. We don't walk around with a judgmental attitude, blind to our own sin, and say, man, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Glad I'm not like them. Jesus says, stop. Stop. It's that imperative. It's that important. It's that, because really this is kind of echoed in what Jesus is saying in in chapter 6. He says this in in this chapter, that you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And this is an echo of chapter 6 when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, that, that what we see is that God in this sense treats us as we treat others. That if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. If you don't show mercy, you won't, mercy will not be shown to you. Understand, understand the heart of that is, if you are not a person, if you say that you're a kingdom person, but you're not willing to forgive, you're not willing to show mercy, you're not willing to be, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to do the things that he's calling you to do, if you are a judgmental person, the evidence is very clear that I look at your life and you say, but I'm an apple tree, and you have pineapples all over you. I'm like, but you're not an apple tree. No, but I am. No, you're not. And that's the heart of what Jesus is saying is that if you are a forgiving person, that's evidence that you're a kingdom person. If you show, if you show mercy to someone, that's evidence that you're a kingdom person. If you're willing to forgive the unforgivable, that's evidence of, that you're a kingdom person. But if you say, I, I won't do that, I can't do that. I choose not to do that. It's also evidence that maybe you are not a kingdom person. And that's not to call you out. And that's not to say in those moments, like, yeah, I struggle. Yeah, guess what? We all struggle. But I know, and you and I both know this, that you know your heart pretty well. I mean, the heart is desperately wicked. I get all of that. But I also know what it means to, like, come to church and be like, play the game and say all the right things. But in my heart, it's far from the Lord, and you know that. And so I, think, I believe deep down, you know whether you're a kingdom person or not. Whether you say, God, I, I just, I want... I want to forgive. I, I, by your power, I am trying to forgive. And, and anytime you say, I'm trying, by the way, you should just stop saying, I'm trying, and say, I can't. God changed my heart. Stop trying. Start surrendering. And see what God does. I know it sounds judgy, what I'm doing. <laughs> How dare you say I'm not a kingdom person? Well, I'm not saying you're not a kingdom person. And I'm not saying just because you struggle with forgiving a certain situation or a certain person that you're not a kingdom person. Hear my heart. If in your heart you're saying, this is who I am, that I would never do this and I would always do that, that's evidence of who you really are. That's evidence of the kingdom that you belong to. That we need to, by God's power, allow him to change our hearts and our minds that we would be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ. And none of that happens in your power. I think sometimes that's hard to hear. Man, I failed today. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to try harder. When your prayer should be, God, uh, I know that, that your word is transformative. I know that the spirit living within me is transformative. I'm going to surrender to that. I can't stop treating my spouse 
the way that I'm treating, but I know that that's not what you want me to do, so change me. Those are the kind of prayers that God answers. I think sometimes, I'm not speaking for God, but I think sometimes we say, okay, God, I'm going to try harder, and it's like... that the power to live this life is from the Lord. And I think the sooner that we realize that we surrender our lives to him, not the easier that that it becomes, but the easier that it becomes. It's not easy. But you trying harder and not surrendering more is certainly not easy. Showing mercy to others is an act of wisdom that flows from the fact that we, as kingdom people, have been forgiven, have experienced tremendous mercy. That when I'm forgiving of someone, when I'm showing mercy to someone, that is evidence that I have fully, I've understood at least in part and received a mercy that this doesn't make sense. I mean, that's the message of the gospel. That God did for you in Christ, which you could never do for yourself. And that by faith in Christ and his righteousness and his gift and what he has done, I can be forgiven, I can be free, I can be born into this kingdom by faith. Not by what we can do, but what he can do. That showing mercy is an act of wis- wisdom, and judging others harshly is an act of foolishness that reveals the kingdom to which you belong to. I would say, if you're unwilling to show mercy, if you're unwilling to forgive, I didn't say struggle, but unwilling. If you're unwilling to do those things that are evidence that Jesus has talked about already, it's evidence of the kingdom to which you belong to. As kingdom people, we have been forgiven of such a tremendous debt that we should be some of the most forgiving, gracious, merciful people on the planet. Shouldn't we? If somebody came in and you owed a billion dollars and somebody says, I got you, it's gone. You wouldn't be like, I deserve that. <laughs> like, you'd probably just fall out of your, like, who knows? Like, you would just be so, like, just thank you, thank you, thank you. But we can become like that unmerciful servant, can't we? That God has forgiven us of this tremendous debt, the debt we could never, ever, ever pay. And God has forgiven us that. And then we go see our brother who owes us a quarter and we punch him in the face and we throw him in jail till he can pay us back. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? Jesus is speaking against that. We ought not to, better not to, as kingdom people, live that way. That having a judgmental attitude toward others is foolish and it's also prideful. It's prideful. Jesus gives us a memorable illustration. The fact that we can't expect to correct someone, someone else, when we ourselves are unwilling to be corrected. Look what he says. Verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter, a very small matter, in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your own eye, and look, there's a beam in your own eye? That Jesus, like this is what, I, I don't know that Jesus had like a piece of wood, but I, I imagine that like Jesus is like talking and we talked about, remember last week or the week before, uh, I don't think that Jesus taught in a vacuum. It wasn't like, uh, hey, uh, you guys know what birds look like, right? Yeah, 
Now think about birds. Put heaven in your mind. He's teaching, and birds are, hey, look at the birds. Like, God takes care of them. Look at, look at the flowers, and, and they, don't, they don't do any work, but look how great they look, and tomorrow they're going to be thrown away, and God is going to take care of you way better than that. I don't know if he was walking around with a, a two-by-four or one-by-two, or but the ridiculousness of what Jesus is talking about becomes clear. How prideful is it of you or me to look at somebody else's life and say, hey, uh, <clears throat> I see that sin in your life, and uh, if you just, just come a little closer, and I'll try to like, help you out. And I'll just, how ridiculous is that? And Jesus says, it's ridiculous. That you would walk around with planks in your eyes saying, hey, I'm going to do your eye surgery today. Let me, let me help you out. It's ridiculous. It's prideful that we would even have that mentality. How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your own eye while the while you're like whacking him in the face with the plank in your own? And the problem is, is that some of us are so blind to this and so immune to this and so desensitized to this, aren't we? Okay, you have friends that are desensitized. <laughs> but that we could look at somebody else's life and say, boy, whew, look at them. All the while missing the fact that we have this plank in our eye. Jesus says, that's, that's prideful. And that's wrong. I mean, what's at the center of S-I-N? I. Great example, David and Bathsheba. You know that story? David, King David, man after God's own heart. And what does he see? Bathsheba. Bathing. And he's like, uh, hey, who is that? Oh, that's Uriah's wife? Hey, bring her to me. And as the story goes, you know, they, they spend time together and she's pregnant and he tries to pawn it off on Uriah. Like, hey, bring him home because Uriah's at war. David should have been at war. The very first verse of that chapter says the kind, time when kings go off to war, King David was at home. <laughs> and he's like, hey, send for Uriah. Have him come back and spend some time at home. And he's like, look, I'm not going to do that. And he, Uriah comes back, but he doesn't. He's, he says, I'm gonna, my friends are out there. My, my uh, partners are out there fighting. I'm not going to come home and spend time at home. And he comes home and he sleeps outside and, and David tries even harder and he sleeps outside, doesn't go home. And so David sends orders with a letter. So this is kind of a kicker. Like, hey, why don't you take this letter, Uriah, back to the front lines. With, you know, go ahead and they, the, the letter is, hey, put Uriah at a place of a fierce battle. And when it's the fiercest, just back off and let him get killed. I mean, can you imagine like, hey guys, I brought you a letter from David. It's going to be awesome. And it's really your death orders. And then he's killed, and, and David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And, and then Nathan, the prophet Nathan, comes along, and he tells him a story. He talks about this guy who had everything, had all the riches that you could ever want. But he sees this poor guy that has one lamb, and he takes that lamb from him. And what's David's response? Like, this, this person deserves to die. This person is guilty. And what does Nathan say? You're the man, and not that way. <laughs> like, you are the man. You, you're the one that, you're looking at that person, you're casting judgment. You say, that person deserves to die. And he's like, listen, it's you. Because he was so blind to the fact that he was committing adultery, that lust and, and deceit and murder, that he could be so blind to those things. And Nathan says, it's you. 
And the difference between David and Saul is that David owned it. If you know the stories, David is contrite, and he's like, oh, I have sinned against the Lord. I'm wrong. And he owned it, and he confessed it, and God forgave him. But we can be like that, and you can be like that. I can be like that, so prideful in our sin that we, don't, we look past it and we want to judge others. And so having a judgmental attitude is foolish and it's prideful and finally it's hypocritical. You kind of already knew that. That we could have such great sin in our lives and how hypocritical is it to look at other people with that sin in our lives and say, man, look how bad you are. Yikes. Mm. What does Jesus say in verse 5? Hypocrites! First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. That the command is to do eye and really heart surgery. The word to take is an imperative command again, and the, 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 what he's saying is do it. Like, he's saying, don't do this early on, first one, stop, stop, stop. Now he's saying, do this, and do it now. Don't walk around and say, well, I took, I took some of it out, or I took one of the 20 out. He's like, get rid of them all now. Stop. Some of you have learned to play the game as a Christ follower. You know all the right words to say. If people ask you how you're doing, great. Hey, can you pray? Sure, I can pray. Hey, what verse? I can give you a verse. And Jesus would speak of you when you say that I know Jesus, but your heart is far from me. The way of the kingdom of kingdom people is that we walk closely with the Lord. That our hearts are his, that our lives are his. That we, you know, this he goes on here, it's interesting. Because you read verse 1, and then you get down to the fact that Jesus pretty much affirms that we ought to, that we better judge our brothers and sisters. And I know that word scares you. If it's better to say that we should be fruit inspectors of our brothers and sisters, that we look at their lives, and we don't walk around again, because many of us do this and we don't even realize it. But we do business with, between us and the Lord. And that God might change your heart and say, oh, wow, that whole thing I saw because I wasn't seeing clearly <laughs> was actually all me and not them at all. And sometimes that happens, and maybe many times that happens. But if you want to help somebody out, you've got to do business with the person that you see in the mirror. And you need to start there. And then as God changes you and changes your heart, then you humbly, in love, in grace, in mercy, go to your brother or your sister and say, hey, <laughs> you know I care about you, right? I, I, I see this. I, I mean, and I, I'm going to guarantee you if they're a kingdom person they're not going to be like what? because you've done it you've confronted people before some of you that are brave enough and they say yeah I, I know I know I struggle I try really hard and you say look that Pastor Joe guy he said we just have to stop trying harder we need to surrender more I know I know I mean, that's how we should be in the body of Christ, shouldn't we? That if someone is falling behind, if someone is falling down, we don't walk by like, good luck. Or if someone does fall down, and I'm telling you, I feel like this is what people are so guilty of all the time. And some of you have done this, and shame on you, and shame on me, because I'm sure I've done it before. That we look at those people who have fallen down, and we think how much better, more spiritual we are than they are. We're not willing to come help them. And then we walk away from them and tell other people about how they've fallen. 
That's not the body of Christ. Is it? And I would say, too, where mercy and grace come in, is that you and I can look at, at Scripture, and I'm debating whether, I, I've done this before, uh, this message called Grappling with the Gray. Some of you are like, oh yes, I've heard that. But I'm telling you, there are things in our lives that we struggle with. There's struggle, we have struggles with decisions, with things that are gray areas, uh, that I've found that has been so helpful to realize that there are, there are biblical commands that as a follower of Jesus, you need to say, yeah, those are, those are black and white. Those are yes and no Biblical commands, biblical principles. We're like, we need to stick to those. But then there's these preferences and there's these convictions that are, that are below this line that up here, above here, like these are important and these we need to agree on and these we need to hold each other to. But there's convictions and then there's preferences. Convictions are like, I don't think I should listen to that kind of music or I don't think I should dress a certain way. I, I don't think I should... And then there are preferences that I just, I just choose not to do that. I, that, that. You can do it. I don't care. And the problem is, is that we flip those things upside down sometimes in the church, don't we? And we take our convictions and our preferences and we put them on each other like, oh, I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And we judge each other from our personal convictions, from our personal preferences, which is wrong. If we're going to judge each other, let's judge each other from biblical commands and biblical principles. Let's judge there. And, but if we're going to judge, let's judge with humility. Let's judge with grace. There are very clear thou shalt nots. There are very clear things that we ought not to be doing as kingdom people. Let's stick to those. And let's give grace to each other in the preferences and in the convictions. Because you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, you can look at the same scripture. We can read the same verse and say, you know what? I'm, just, I'm, not gonna, I'm going to listen to this kind of music. I don't want to listen to that because what that does for me. I, I'm gonna, we're going to go to the bar, but I'm not gonna, I can't drink. Or, and they, like, I throw that out. People are like, <gasps> there are people that can drink, and it's okay. Meaning, there are people that have been alcoholics in their life that should not have a drink. I don't believe biblically that it's wrong to have a drink. I choose really not to really drink much of anything. But there are people that do. Again, we're getting on conviction, but then we're also getting to biblical commands because the biblical command is you not to get drunk. Because the moment that you're drunk, guess who's in charge? Guess who's in control? Not you. That we shouldn't put ourselves into a position where I and or the Holy Spirit is not in control and not in charge. That's a problem. That's sin. But there's these gray areas. They're like, well, should I have a drink? Am I allowed to? Was it my... Again, like I know we can lose friends and we can get in trouble with that, but I'm telling you that we take those preferences and those convictions and we make them as biblical commands. Let's make the biblical commands the biblical commands and let's hold to those. Let's hold each other to those. But on those convictions and on those preferences, we say, I understand. I get it. I mean, for instance, we... There was a time, so like years ago, we, we were going to take carpet out of the fellowship hall. There was carpet in there, if you can imagine. This kind of carpet... I know. Why'd you ever take that out? Uh, and we would put all that flooring in, but we decided, we're like, hey, look, on a Sunday after church, we're going to have church, and then we're going to go have lunch, and then we're going to just do some work. And there were people that were adamant against how sinful it was that we were doing the work, and they used the word on the Sabbath. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think you understand Scripture, number one. Number two, if you, Paul says not to esteem one day more than another, 
And if you're convicted by that, I totally get it. Like, you don't have to be part of it. It's fine. And if you're even more convicted, if you're not willing to kind of just have a dialogue about it, that's fine. But if you're really convicted about the Sabbath, then take your Sabbath on a Thursday and join us on Sunday. And there was not really much understanding, but they had taken this conviction and put it above command, and it's, it becomes a problem. And so all that to say is that there are, we can be in agreement about the biblical commands and the biblical principles, and we can be in, in not alignment about convictions or preferences, and that's okay. Isn't it? It's okay. But don't flip it and say, my preferences and my convictions should be yours. They're biblical. Because neither of them are necessarily wrong, and we must make allowances for each other. I think sometimes we probably judge people more based on our own convictions than on biblical commands and biblical principles. That's the whole spiel to that point. Uh, If I could say it this way, I didn't make this up, but this is good, that inspection without introspection can lead to hypocrisy. My inspection of your life without introspection of my life will lead me down a path of, of hypocrisy. It's like walking around with this plank in my eye saying, I can't believe how bad you are. How dare you do that? We deal with ourselves first because maybe the offense is really, it's us. I'm offended by you because of me. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? I know that we are the hero of our own story, so everybody else is wrong and I'm right. I mean, that's how it works. But if you ever stop and think like, wow, huh. I'm wrong. You ever been in an argument like that? Like mid-argument and you're like, oh boy, <laughs> I'm wrong. They're right. How do you get out anyway? I would point you to Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, Galatians chapter 6. I might read Galatians right now. I have these in my notes to point you to that. Matthew 18, if you are offended by a brother or sister in Christ, go to Matthew 18. When you go to Matthew 18, go back to Matthew chapter 7. Read those first verses again. In other words, if somebody has offended you, I'm telling you, before you go talk to them, do business with the Lord first. God, help me to see the situation as it, needs, as it is. Help me to see my own sin. God, I confess any of those things. And I'm telling you, a majority of the time, when you do business with the Lord on your own, majority of the time, you say, I can overlook that offense. It's not even, it's not even an issue. And we're done. But if you really still feel like, man, I really need to address this, then you go in love and grace and you address it. Matthew 18, Matthew 7, those are the things I point you to. Galatians chapter 6, I'll read this. It's not in your notes anywhere. Paul says that if, brothers or sisters, if someone is overtaken in wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That we as kingdom people should be on the same team, pulling in the same direction, the same goal, to love God, to love people, to make disciples. And if you don't, then you need to reevaluate whether you're a kingdom person or not. And if you are, then you say, okay, God, how can you use me to bring you glory? Last thing I want to tell you is that that Jesus is saying this back in Matthew chapter 7. He gives us a clear command when it comes to judgment. And he says, use, he says, he doesn't say this, I'm saying this. Use godly judgment and discernment in sharing the gospel with others. And I think this is the heart of what Jesus is saying when he starts talking about dogs and pigs. And you're like, Jesus, what is going on? Like, you were just talking about not judging each other. And all of a sudden, we're in old McDonald has a farmland. Like, what are, what are you talking about? Let me read it. He says, don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. 
Jesus is saying a pretty harsh statement here. And the heart of what Jesus is saying is, is that the gospel, the good news, Jesus' teachings are very valuable and important. And if you come face to face with somebody, because the reality is none of us know how people will respond to the gospel. And when I say the gospel, I mean what I've already talked about, the good news of Jesus. That Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, that because of my faith in him, I can be saved, I can be forgiven, I can be free, I'm born into the kingdom. But that's the heart of the gospel. And what Jesus is saying is that when you, when you share the gospel with somebody, when you share the teachings of Jesus with somebody, and they're adamantly against what you're saying, this is going to be where the rub is. You say, oh, okay. And you walk away. Well, wait, 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 wait. That's not fair. That's not, well. Because Jesus is saying that if you, if you give the gospel, if you, you give the teachings of Jesus, of, of the word of God, and somebody's like fighting adamantly against you, tearing you down, tearing the gospel apart, tearing the message apart, Jesus says, don't stand there and take it. Because not only are they going to tear down the message, but they're going to tear you up too. Be careful. Be wise. Be shrewd. We talk a lot about in real life discipleship the need to have eyes to see the Zacchaeuses in our lives. Those people who are hungry. They may not even know what they're hungry for. And many of you have been in that place, you're like, yeah, I was hungry, and I realized, John, I realized it was, it was, it was God I needed, and, and, and God brought me to my knees in this place. That will you see in Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Thank you, somebody, I knew somebody would have it. Zacchaeus was expressing this heart and this desire, like, I just want to get a glimpse of this Jesus. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I want to get close to him. And what does Jesus do? He ignores him. He walks by. What does he do? He stops in this processional. He looks up and he sees this wee little man. What does he say? Nicodemus, come down. We're having dinner. (laughs) Right? Sorry. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I see that hand. Good. Nicodemus was, he came back in later in John, and he actually became a believer, but, you know, he was not a wee little man as far as I know. Uh, But Zacchaeus, thank you. I need this. Yeah, I told you. See, honey, I do make mistakes. Uh, That's my second hundred. Anyway, uh, Zacchaeus, come down. We're having dinner. All these people that were around him, all these people, he said, hey, you want to get dinner? Hey, you want to get dinner? There's this guy who is hungry. He's like, we need to spend some time together. That he could have given this message to all these people, but I don't, and I don't know what Jesus was saying in that crowd, but, but he made a point to call them out and says, we're going we're gonna to spend some time together. If we're looking for people who are faithful, available, and teachable, who are fat, it's okay to be fat spiritually. And if they're all three of those things, you say, okay, I'm going to spend some time. When they stop being one of those, of those three, then you say, okay, either we got to change something or we, I need to see to move on because I only have so much time and I care about you and I love you. But if you're not going to spend the time, if you're not going to make the sacrifice, I get it. I get it. Maybe, I, whatever, I get it. But I'm going to be on the lookout for other Zacchaeuses and maybe some Nicodemuses <laughs> that we invest a 
appropriately. Because what Jesus is saying is, when somebody is adamantly against the gospel, adamantly against the teaching, he even talks about, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, talking to his disciples, he says, when you enter a, a town or a village, this is verse 11 of Matthew chapter 10, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet and leave that house or that town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And sometimes we want to chase after people and we think the most loving thing is to kind of like, oh, come on, man, you just need to come on, you just need to come on. Again, we live the gospel. We love people. We extend grace and we extend mercy and we're the hands and feet of Jesus. But if somebody's punching us in the face because we share and live the gospel, then we need to say, oh, hey, my bad. And we seek other people out who are hungry. Because we invest all this time in this person over here, in this group over here that just wants to continue to, to tear us down and tear us apart and tear the word of God apart when there's this Zacchaeus over here saying, I just want to know the things I don't know. Like I hear about this Jesus or I hear about this something out there and I just, I don't, I know, but I don't know. Jesus says to invest your time accordingly because like dogs, if you're not careful, they will tear the message apart. They will tear you apart like pigs who don't know the value of pearls will just trample them underfoot. We also talk about our role, God's role, and their role, and that's important too in the message of the gospel. That my role is to be faithful in living and sharing the gospel. Their role is their response. I can't make somebody choose to follow Jesus. I can't make somebody, uh, I, we, don't, we don't pray fire insurance around here. We, we don't pray like, hey, don't want to go to hell, right? So pray this prayer. Like what we're, we see discipleship as life on life. We see discipleship as relationship. We don't do altar calls because we don't want, I don't want it to be an emotional thing of like, hey, if you want to know Jesus, this is the time, this is the place. You don't know what happens tomorrow, which is true. You don't know what happens tomorrow. But I want people to come into the kingdom who are being called to come into the kingdom and not me calling them into prayer prayer. Because there are many people who have grown up in church and think that they are in the kingdom, but really aren't. And that's not to scare you. <laughs> that's not to say, you better watch out. I'm just telling you that if I have not surrendered my life, that I'm trusting Jesus as Savior and I'm following him as Lord, I talk about it all the time, being a double-sided coin. It's both things. Then you really need to question whether you're in the kingdom or not. And that's the most important thing. You might learn, like, I learned how to be a good husband. I learned how to be a good wife and a good friend. But if you miss first base, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If you miss the gospel, if you don't respond to the message of Christ, you've missed it. And you can be the greatest person on the planet, and you'll still be lost in your sin and still be separated from God for all eternity. So in your notes, I gave you 10, I stole something that I think is good. I won't take credit for it. There's 10 things. If you want to make sure that you're not walking in judgment of other people, not having a judgmental attitude, work through those 10 things, pray through those 10 things. If you're a kingdom person, we should not have a judgmental spirit. If you do have a judgmental spirit, let me tell you, as a kingdom person, it needs to stop today. If you're a gossip, it needs to stop today. If you are unmerciful, if you are unloving, it needs to stop today. Some of you are still feeding into that because it does something inside of you that is not godly. It's sinful, but it makes you feel good. Stop. 
Jesus says that's not the way of a kingdom person. Stop withholding grace and mercy. Start walking in, in mercy, uh, forgiveness and humility. That that's what Jesus is calling us to. So hopefully you see maybe the difference. It's clear as mud today. That we aren't to be judgmental people, but we can make judgments. But our judgments are based on the word of God. That our judgments are done with a heart of humility. Our judgments really are to help other people. Not to help our own agenda or help our own self. But I care about you. And so I need to tell you this thing that I see that needs to be pruned, that needs to be stopped. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, people that truly are in the kingdom, people that are kingdom people are going to look at you. And most people, they may be offended, they may be angry with you, but most people are going to be like, I know, and I need help. Thank you. Pray with me. Hold me accountable. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And may we be that to each other.